It's a wonderful privilege to get up and to talk about our Lord and Savior uh, right after communion. It just, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and to be prayed for and, uh, and then to be sent out of the country. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, as you see in the bulletin, uh, the title of the sermon today is The Weary Story. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Weary is an um, apartment complex right down here on Weekly Lane, across from the airport. Uh, and we've been ministering out there about 20 years. And I want to emphasize something right off the bat here in that uh, one person can make a difference. One person with an extraordinary God with them can make a difference. So if we would, let's put Exodus chapter 3, the first four verses up on the screen, and if you'd stand up and join with me, and let's read God's word. Okay, let's start. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight why the bush does not burn up. Moses saw that he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all these examples, all through scripture, of men and women who responded to your call, Lord. We ask that you administer us through your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. One person can make a difference. When we see... Moses, uh, he was just having an ordinary day as a shepherd, and you're all familiar with that. Um, uh, tending the flock, and he was drawn to the bush that was not consumed. It was just an ordinary day, and he just went over to take a look. He was just curious. And in that moment of his ordinary day, God spoke to him. God called his name. And Moses said, here am I. God gave him a task. And he said, I've heard the cries of the Jewish people in Egypt in their bondage. I remember my covenant with Abraham and Isaac, and we're going to set them free. And I'm going to send you to do it. An ordinary guy going back to Egypt. You're very familiar with the story. But when Moses showed up in Egypt, everything changed for the people there. Everything changed. He came with the message of God, with the truth that God had not forgotten him. Things changed for the Jews and for the Egyptians, both. One person with God makes a difference. Ordinary things. I have found over and over again in my life, it's the ordinary days that God will speak to me. Many times in service, God has spoken to my heart. It's usually repent. <laughs> and so I... Uh, then, you know, I take Jill out to eat, and we're good. Uh, 
so, um, but the services, I've always loved church service since the day I got saved because God does encourage me and, and does call me to repentance and a lot of different things. But in my everyday life, I've had God do big things that I never saw coming, including going into the ministry, getting called to Africa, and different things like that. Those were just ordinary days that were coming along, and all of a sudden, boom, God says, I want you to do this, Bruce. And I have a choice then to say, here am I, or here I go. Uh, <laughs> but I have found that he's a great and wonderful God that he's God who keeps his promises, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that he is your security, that he is your provider. And I've found that there is no place of peace or adventure outside of God that's worth anything. It's also temporary. And so 20 years ago, I received a phone call from Debbie Belknap, and she and her family were living in Weary, and she just asked me to come over and to pray with them. That's, that's pastor stuff, right? That's what you do as a pastor, and we enjoy it, uh, and talking with the people. Um, but it was an ordinary day for Debbie, too. And if Debbie had never called, if she said, I don't know, Lord, prayer wouldn't make any difference. It doesn't matter if the pastor comes over or not. I would have never gone. And maybe never, I didn't even know where Weary was. She had to tell me where it was. And it's only four miles from here. But she chose to want to follow Christ, one person, to follow Christ, she and her family. And I chose to go. And after we had prayed and I was driving out of the complex, the Lord spoke to me and told me to minister there. And you're going to hear more about that later. And I was just kind of taken back. But I knew it was the Lord. And I chose to respond. And I had no idea how all this was going to work out. But I know he's a great, great God. If he can give his son for me, have his son crucified and beaten, that I might be a forgiven person, he can do anything. Raise his son from the dead, the power of the resurrection. And I've had to believe in his love and his power of the resurrection to, for everything I've been involved with. And it's just not the ministry things here at the church. It's been in my personal life and with my family and meeting strangers and all. It's, it's him and his plans and him thinking about eternity all the time. Our God without beginning and end, but a wonderful, wonderful God. And so we started the work uh, out at Weary to minister and to share Christ. Moses heard God and he obeyed. When he came with the message from God, everything changed. I just heard it and obeyed it and started to go over there with the message. And things changed. Amen. Let's roll tape. On December 8, 1941, one day after the bombing of the American naval fleet at Pearl Harbor, 
the United States declared war on the Empire of Japan, ushering in the most massive buildup of military personnel in the nation's history. The war affected every American community, including tiny Smyrna, Tennessee. Within a month of Pearl Harbor, construction had begun just outside of town on what was to become Smyrna Army Airfield where Army Air Force pilot cadets would learn to fly B-17 Flying Fortresses and B-24 Liberator Heavy Bombers. The end of hostilities in 1945 resulted in the end of Smyrna Army Airfield, but its demise was short-lived. In 1948, the newly minted United States Air Force commissioned Smyrna Air Force Base as the home of the 314th Troop Carrier Wing. The base was later rechristened Seward Air Force Base in honor of Alan J. Seward Jr. of Nashville, who was killed in action during a bombing mission over the Solomon Islands in 1942. Unlike the aftermath of previous wars, when military strength returned to minimal levels, Cold War fears of communist world domination fueled decisions by the United States government to maintain the military at high readiness levels. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough housing on military installations to provide living quarters for the increased number of soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. Senator Kenneth Weary of Nebraska came up with an innovative idea for solving the military's housing crunch. In 1949, he introduced a bill allowing for the construction of family housing around permanent military installations by private developers, utilizing low-interest loans insured by the Federal Housing Administration. These weary sponsors could construct, own, and maintain the houses, provided they gave rent priority to military families. Then, after 40 years, each sponsor was to turn the project over to the government. By the mid-1960s, the decision was made to close a number of military facilities around the country, including Seward Air Force Base. The last C-130 Hercules left the runway on March 9, 1971. The base was closed, and its weary housing facility was turned over to Rutherford County. About 20 years ago, a family from our church who lived in the Weary community asked me to come and visit them and have a time of prayer. As I drove out, I looked at the abandoned buildings, the buildings that had fallen down, and the Lord spoke very clearly to my heart. He said, Bruce, you're ministering all over the world, Mexico, Peru, Jamaica, but you're doing nothing in your own backyard. From that moment, I knew that we were gonna be ministering in the Weary community. Continuing with God's call, we started a nonprofit of community servants because of the ever-expanding ministry and hundreds of young people coming to minister in our community. The joy of the Lord truly filled my heart as I watched the people of Weary respond to God's presence. It fulfilled the scripture of Mark 15, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. I've seen that happen and it filled my heart. A little over 13 years ago, Shirley and I had been serving in Mexico for almost three and a half years. 
and a decision was made that we need to come back to Smyrna. And uh, Weary has become home for us, and uh, uh, Shirley and I have been blessed in many, many different ways. Uh, I think one of the big things uh, for us was uh, our grandson and daughter were living with us, and a lot of the kids started coming to the house, and Shirley started helping with her homework. And that has grown into the Community Kids Program, which today has over 35 kids Monday through Friday coming in after school to get help with their homework. I mean, we now do parenting classes, we've done computer classes, we do GED classes, or preparation classes, and we've been able to help a lot of people over the year uh, become better citizens uh, because they can speak the language better, because they're better educated and, and can get a better job and, and are working. And, and God gave us a mission right here at home, and that's changing lives by meeting people's needs uh, in, a, in a fundamental way that allows us to build a relationship with them. Uh, some of our students and, and interns will end up overseas as full-time missionaries. Some will end up as missionaries here at Wherry and in Smyrna. And some will end up as moms and dads and they'll be missionaries in their workplace. God has changed this community over uh, the period of time that we've been here, uh, there's been a reduction in the police calls. Uh, I've seen this place become a community where mamas are out in the afternoon pushing the babies into baby strollers, where the kids feel safe out playing, uh, where kids will walk from one end of the property to the other without adult supervision because it's, they know it's a safe place to live. And it's all done because of His great love and His sacrifice. John and I first came to Wherry, one of the first things I noticed were um, it was a community full of kids. Um, there were so many children there. They didn't seem to have a lot of direction. Um, noticed them out in the street in the evenings. You know, one of the things I wondered a lot about was who's helping them with their homework? Later I learned they weren't getting any homework help, but I was talking to some of them and I said, I didn't see any of y'all taking awards today and y'all are smart kids. You should have had some awards. And one of the little girls said, um, that's for the rich kids. Weary kids don't get awards. And that just, that, that well, it broke my heart um, that, to think that they really thought that of themselves. The most immediate need I saw was that these kids needed to hear, know that they were precious in God's eyes and that He did have a hope, a future for them and that they have a wonderful life ahead of them and that they can accomplish anything they wanted to. I asked a few of them one day, I said, if y'all want to come over to the house tomorrow afternoon after school, we can do some homework, bake cookies. Um, and just see what happens. And so the next day there were 13 kids in my little kitchen. We started uh, using the Learning Center. That was in January 2002. Um, within two years, uh, the children kept coming and we knew that we needed a bigger place designated just for the kids. And that was the beginning of the Community Kids After School Program. Through all that, we saw kids attitudes about themselves changing. They started seeing that they were something special and precious. One of the first kids that came there, I found out last week, is now a freshman at MTSU this year, so that's wonderful. One story is that there was a lady who came to Wherry who had been homeless for 10 years. Um, she'd lived a life of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, which had affected her health. She lost all her family. Um, had wound up in rehab centers uh, in recovery, was doing really well, but still did not have a home that she could call her own. So uh, 
Pastor Bruce started talking to her and asking her if she thought, you know, she would like to live out at Weary. She came out there one day just to check it out and at first was like, I don't know if this is going to be the place for me or not, but by the time she left, she said, you know, this, this is home. I feel good about this place. Ultimately, she wound up going back to school, getting her uh, associate's degree. Her family was reunited um, and then she met uh, a man who became her husband. Just to know that um, she, she had that time there at Wary is just precious. And as I spent time with these kids and was encouraging them to, y'all need to get your high school education, you need to go to college, God began showing me that I probably needed to take care of that too. <laughs> so in 2004, I um, enrolled in Motlow and I got close to getting my associates and the doors opened up for me to be able to transfer to MTSU. I graduated in 2006 with my bachelor's in social work and um, since that time have been so blessed to be able to go back and get my master's degree and just graduated um, this year with that. There's a scripture, I think it's in Timothy, the Psalms, where it says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And when I think of Weary, that's what I think of, that that's our boundary and it's, it's just a wonderful place to be. It's been through a life-changing experience in my life about a year or so ago where I had a heart attack and everything changed. And Bruce approached me while I was in the hospital and uh, asked me if I could use a vehicle because mine had died a couple of years before, or a couple of months before. And then he approached me later with a place to live because I'd been staying with my sister and through some changes there I, I needed to move. And um, I have a beautiful two-bedroom apartment and with a big yard and also included was lawn care. So I'm just so appreciative of all of that community services provided me through Weary. I used to work at a children's home in North Carolina. And for three year, or two years while I was there, they made a trip down here to be volunteers and how it impacted those young people's lives to be able to give back and to uh, see, you know, what they could do to, to better someone else's life the way that they had been, you know, taking care of at the children's home. Over the past few years, um, I've been able to be involved with community servants, both as an intern and then even once I was beyond that, um, just living in the community and working with our adult ESL classes and our after school program. It's so neat to see the way that God impacts people through this ministry. It's so neat to meet people from different cultures and to um, learn about their culture and be able to help teach them such a survival skill that's so basic, um, but that is something that they're lacking, such as filling out job applications, um, doctor forms, using the bank, um, learning to count money. People who live at Weary, obviously their first language is not English, and so many of the parents do not speak any English. Through our after-school program, we're able to help um, a lot of the students who would not have help with their homework at home otherwise. I think the most rewarding part of working with these people at Weary and through community servants um, would just have to be the blessings that God has poured upon me. You know, it's not something I went in expecting to be blessed. I went into the community expecting to serve. 
um, but I've come away with such great relationships and um, just such new experiences that I never expected. The ministry at Weary is very uh, close to my heart because it wasn't but what seems to be just a few years ago that I, find my, I found myself in a place that I needed a place to live. And uh, Weary was that place. Weary was a safe place when my husband passed. But to me, that was the answer. I needed to move out of the house that we were renting. And it was opened to me to go there. There's a, a, a psalm, Psalm 84, talks about how um, even the sparrow has found a place uh, to place her young. And it is referencing a place to worship. And that's exactly what Weary is. Weary is a place where those that need that place of refuge to find a place that's safe and that is quiet because of all the saints that have given their time and their energy. They've mowed lawns, they have painted, they have pulled apart the insides of buildings and created a God place, a God center. So it is full of the peace of God. It's a beautiful place. I know that a lot of people have been affected through this work and it gives them an appreciation for the things that they already have, that they didn't realize they have. Um, I know that it's affected many families that live there, the families that have uh, given their, their monies and their support and their time there. When you give of yourself and you give to a place that you, have, you don't have an investment in other than it being investing in the kingdom of God, which is really what it is. I just wanted to say again how blessed we were to spend that time with you guys. Our students are different people now. That's the greatest thing I can ever say about a trip. I've learned the power of prayer and that sometimes the only thing we can do to help a person is to pray for them. I saw Jesus every day in Weary and in so many different ways that I cannot deny his presence. I returned with my spirit much more inclined to servanthood than ever before. Getting out of the boat was coming to Weary and having to wait on God to show me the kids he wanted me to minister to. I really felt God's presence throughout the entire week and God blessed me so much through the people there and the very evident love that they have for Jesus. I thank God for people like you who are willing to help someone who has nothing. In this ministry, I've seen God provide materials and financial means when there was a need. I've seen young teenagers give their allowance out of love to see this ministry continue. I've seen kids in the group accept Jesus at the end of the week because they can't resist his love anymore.
we're sitting in the second dormitory here at the Brewery Housing Community. The second dormitory because we had so many people wanting to come in our first few years that we had to open up another dormitory. And so I'm thrilled to see what's happened in people's lives and the groups that came. Some of it is so exciting for us and one of the groups that first came, three of the 14 year olds that were in that group are now pastors on staff at that church bringing 14 year olds here. So that's one of the greatest blessings that we've seen is how Jesus Christ has worked in people's lives and continues to work in their life, not just a one-time thing. We've stayed true to the vision of sharing Jesus Christ in ways that are tangible, that are helpful, helping people who have no helpers, and that's the great blessing. A person over here has accepted Christ, a family over there has accepted Christ, and it's just gone on bit by bit every year. The Lord has brought volunteers from all over Smyrna, Laverne, uh, Murfreesboro area to, to help us in those ministries locally, as well as the groups that have come from all over the United States to, to serve during the summer and the spring break season. It's not something special that, that we have or anything special that we do. We just show up, you see a need, you take care of that need, and you let the people know uh, that uh, Jesus is the reason. Uh, I was talking with somebody the other day, and uh, we've, had, we've had six or seven churches uh, that are operating in Rutherford County now that actually started by meeting in one of our buildings to have a temporary place to meet, and then outgrew us and, and moved off campus and are serving, there, there's one in Laverne, there's three or four here in Smyrna, there's a couple in Murfreesboro. And, and I can remember uh, what, maybe, maybe four years ago that you and I really started praying about not just being a base where people came to do ministry, but that we would see ministry flowing out of, out of here. And we're beginning to see that happen uh, now with the, the intern, the year-long uh, interns, as well as the summer interns. Uh, where, do you, where do you see that leading? Uh, I see that to the interns taking over the place someday, amen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really do. The intern program has been fantastic with the, the high school and the college young people. Uh, they've been a blessing to us and a huge encouragement. Uh, and I look forward, as far as the future goes for Weary, uh, to always be based on the premise let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, and also on servanthood. But within that vision, I see all kinds of other visions incorporated in that. John and Shirley have done that, and I anticipate the ones that take our place, that have a lot darker hair, yeah. um, that <laughs> they will bring vision of their own, but it will be within the standard of Christ his vision and servanthood. But I, I don't even want to speculate about the future because it's unlimited to how much people will follow Christ and be obedient to him because God can speak wonderful things to him. Yeah. It gets down to leaving the fingerprints for Jesus because you, uh, you and I are living proof that not everything's going to last forever. These buildings are going to be in a dumpster. Uh, some of the things we did this summer at some point, if Jesus tarries, we'll end up in a dumpster. But the fingerprints that we've left on touching people in this community with Jesus Christ are going to be there for eternity.
I want to thank Jim Caldwell and David Warren for countless hours and the voice of Mike Parker and others that uh, overdubbed that. It just takes a lot of time to put one of these things together and they've done a great job. Uh, now it'll be on YouTube and that for eternity. So, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> um, I also misspoke myself. It's Matthew 5.16. I said 15.16 there. Um, but it's been a core scripture for us to be able to use. Uh, and we've been talking about uh, one person can make a difference. And it's so powerful when one person really believes they can make a difference with God, and you put two people like that together, and then three, and four, and 50, and 100, it is something. When I first went out there and asked to be able to come and uh, renovate a place and uh, help some homeless people. Um, the men in the office said that, um, yeah, we think we're going to let you do that, but we don't want you to go to door, door to door sharing because the Jehovah Witnesses are out there every Saturday and they still come. Um, and the people don't like it. We don't want you to do that. And boy, it started coming out of my mouth, things I hadn't anticipated to say. And I said, well, we're going to share Christ. Now, I won't go door to door. I'll honor that. But uh, I'm from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. I'm not a social service agency. And we're going to wear Jesus t-shirts, share with anybody we can. If I can't share Jesus, I'm not coming. That's, I said, I've got an notorial reason, purpose for being here. And that's it, to share Christ. And by the way, God loves this community, and he loves all of you men, too. And they said, okay. <laughs> um, I took a small offering and left. Uh, no, no. I gave them their ashtray back. So, uh, I, but the, the Lord, it just, it just popped right out of me because it's in me. That's what, why we do all these things. And that's what we're living for, isn't it? And you heard, uh, well, and as we started to just work on the first place, um, and to share Christ, uh, I had, uh, Weary had a terrible reputation, and the reputation still, I don't think, it's probably not that much better because people don't know about it, but because of, it was a dark place, a lot of crime in that, and um, the manager eventually came to the Lord a few years later, he was a good friend of mine, and uh, I think it's maybe right after that, we were talking about the Lord, and believe in God, just going to continue to do great things out at Weary. And um, the next week we had a group come out, and it's something to stand out in the middle of a street and look down the street and see 50 or 60 kids with their Bible and their devotionals at 8 o'clock in the morning sitting on the curb in the front porches. And the light of Christ has come to that community. It just gets your heart. Because God didn't forget those wonderful people there. He loved them, doesn't want to see them destroyed. Uh, and you heard a reference, too, also to the fingerprints. And you saw some of the uh, prints on the walls there, the dormitories in the different churches. Uh, the walls and the ceilings are covered by all of those. And, the, and quickly, the story that goes with that, uh, we used to go down to Mexico a lot to a children's home. And we were going back right after Christmas one year, and a family wanted to go, and the husband hadn't gone. It was the McPeters family, for those of you who know them. And Steve came up to me and said, why don't I just give you, you know, a couple thousand dollars, Bruce, and let the Mexicans fix that place up. 
And I said, well, it's more than that, Steve. Um, we go and serve and share Christ and encourage the folks down there. And God does things in her life. And he looked at me and said, okay, because you said God's going to do something in my life, I'll go. And so he walked away and I went, oh, God, you have to do something in this man's life. <laughs> As if I think God's not going to. Uh, where does that come from? Um, and so... Uh, it's something when you speak for God. That's why, speak this. You can't miss. They may not want to hear or can't hear, it seems like, but you're speaking the truth. And Steve went, and in a couple hours, he, was, he loved it. He was just thrilled with it all and had a great time. And so um, about six months later, Steve called me, and he was coming home from work, and he said, Bruce, God just spoke to me. And said this, because Steve was having a hard time. Uh, his brother had a terminal illness. He had a home up north that hadn't sold yet, and he had two mortgages, so he was under the gun. And um, he said, God spoke to me as I was driving home from work today and said to me, Steve, your fingerprints are all over the children's home in Mexico, and I see them. See, Steve was kind of feeling that God was distant, maybe forgot him, but God hadn't. So we went back the following year, and we told that testimony, and we had built a, a school there, a one-room school we had worked on, and we all put our hands in some paint and put it on the wall, put our fingerprints there. And then we all got done, and we talked about how we left thousands of fingerprints all over that children's home. Nobody can see them but God. You know how fingerprints are. You guys watch CSI. And, <laughs> And we said, we do it for the glory of the Lord. And we took a paint roller and we covered that entire wall. So us and God knew that they were there. Nobody else. That's a trophy. And so it just really spoke to my heart. And so it's like an Ebenezer when uh, Joshua and the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan. And each tribe picked up a stone and built a pillar on the other side called an Ebenezer. God did something here. And so every time you pass by that, you say, "Look what! remember what God did. And so we started that at Weary, and that's the fingerprints. And we tell that story quite often to the groups that come in, that they will leave thousands of fingerprints that nobody will see but God. Unless it's a teenage girl with a paintbrush. And why do the girls like to paint each other? I still don't understand that. Lord, I know they like makeup, but anyway. And there's been hundreds of thousands of fingerprints that only God sees out there. Hundreds of thousands of fingerprints that will end up in a landfill out at Mount Trashmore, probably here in Murfreesboro. But God sees every single one of them because one person with God makes a difference in fulfilling his purposes to bring people into the kingdom. Obviously, uh, 20 years of ministry, we just showed you a, a, a bit of what goes on. Um, but I asked the brothers who did this, I said, we have to glorify the Lord. It's about God and people. Uh, we could have shown you a lot more buildings and a lot more activity um, and that, but it's, those are just, the buildings and all the other construction are just tools to be able to share Christ. But we are not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's the power of salvation to all that believe, to the Jew first and to the Greek. They've got to hear the word. And so when we look at the scriptures, if um, 
Luke 10, 20, as Jesus had sent the uh, many disciples out two by two, and they came back with great reports, even the demons that were cast out in Jesus' name, Jesus said this to them. Oh, uh, well, let me back up to one other point here. And you saw Claudia and Linda on there. One of the hard things about doing a ministry like this is the people you cannot help. Um, when Claudia needed a place, we were just finishing one we'd been working on for three years. Um, most ministry, you need to be in for the long haul if you want to see great things. That's a personal belief of mine. Linda Brown, who lives out there, you saw in the video, um, we had been working on a place for over four years, and we were just about done when Linda had her heart attack and that. And so I asked. But for every one person I've helped, I've had to tell ten no. And it hurts. And they're always not happy. They don't understand. It's God's timing with resources and openings. Um, so, when Jesus is talking to the disciples that they had come back rejoicing, he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All the miraculous things that they saw and did, Jesus said, this is what you really rejoice in. There is a book in heaven with your name in it. And you're going to be there eternally because your name's in the book because you believe. The purpose of all of our activities, and I, I could tell you more stories. We could, I could make you cry and laugh and all those things. Um, and those are fun. It's good to do those things at times. Um, but um, the last thing we want to do is glorify people in the work that we've done. The whole purpose of everything that we've done was that the residents of Weary would have their names written in heaven. That's the purpose. And it's very clear to me in Scripture. Very clear to me. Eternity is where people are meant to be. And it'll either be in heaven or hell. So it carries a weight to be consistent in my message of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way I say it and the way I live it. And bearing the fruit of the Spirit of it. We are all very familiar with John 3.16, but let me read John 17 and 18 to you. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We didn't go out to where to condemn people. One of the reasons we went is because they're condemned already. And they need the light. They need to believe on Christ. Continuing with verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. For whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And as more and more Christians started to work out at Weary and stay out there all the time, the light of Christ, the darkness just started to leave. The drug guys and the prostitutes and thieves just started to leave. Deeds get exposed. But it's the light of Christ and people who are bringing that light every single day. I could do a lot of great work, but unless I do it in the light of Christ and the love of Christ with Jesus on my lips, giving people the reason, 
All I am is a light with a bushel basket over it that, that are getting some work done. You see that? But the scriptures tell us that whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So we live for God, we obey him, we love people, we take on the ministries that he offers to us to share. Um, ministry like the, the Good Samaritan, that's how you love your neighbor, that's what Jesus said. And we do these things, and the way we do it, with the light and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, should be plainly seen by everybody around. They shouldn't wonder. I wonder if they're Christians. It should be plainly seen that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that Jesus Christ has come into our life, that we are people that have been born again. We've got new hearts. We've got minds that have been washed by the Word. We, we're living on a plane here heading towards eternity, not just trying to make it to the end of the day or to have bigger and better things, but... Plainly, people should see it plainly, clearly in our lives. And that they should be able to say, then, and this goes right along with Matthew 5, 16. All that's done through God. There's no other way it can be done. It's done through God. It's not through human efforts. It's done through God. And he happens to use people. I am a pastor, not a contractor. Even though I can say things like speed square. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds like a PhD who graduated quickly. Um, uh, work on that one. Um, and I can use all the terms and I can and do that and, you know, and, and talk about cutting a piece of drywall or this or that. And I always tell people, I'm about two days ahead of what you know. But I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd to share the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I ever just become a contractor and leave the pastor behind, I'm out of God's will. I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I want people to see the light of Christ clearly in my life. And not just assume, oh, he's a pastor, he gets paid to do this. But because there's something different that is plainly seen, and it's Jesus Christ. And it's because of this. In the scriptures, we want everybody's name to be written in heaven. And as I'm reading a few more scriptures and coming to a close, I'll bring it to uh, Revelation. You know, we love the Gospel of John, don't we, and the epistles that John wrote. Um, and then the revelation that God gave him is very straightforward as he addresses the churches. Uh, in Revelations 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, so it's recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written, in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Just straightforward from John. And so we go sharing Jesus Christ, not condemning people, but trying to give them life. And using whatever tools and opportunities and the different types of ministry, whether it's sharing English with somebody who's come in from Burma, or it's sharing with a widow and providing a place to live, or working with an intern 
who's in college, who's trying to find their way in life. And what a privilege to tell them. Yeah. Just be yourself. Let the Lord guide you. Love him. Put it in practice. It's work being a Christian. But put it into practice and God will take care of you. Then hearing from four or five years later and sending the pictures of the kids and, and how they're serving in their churches or wherever they go. Because I know their name is in a book in heaven. And to be with Michael, my friend, the manager at Weary, who after a few years or so, it's hard for me to, it all runs together, totally committed his life to Christ. And we've worked together closely ever since that time. But the greatest thing for me is that I know Michael has his name written in heaven. He's in the book of life. That's what's important. It's in the book. Um, reign with our Lord and with each other. And finally, the very last verse out of Revelations chapter 3. Starting with uh, verse 4. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, some of you know Elaine, who works over at Weary. And when she started working there, she watched all of us pretty closely of how we did things and how we interacted in that. And at that time, we had a small church service going on Sunday mornings, and after a year or so, she started to come. And listen and then one day we always had a quiet time and and a time for anybody to pray that wanted to and Elaine prayed and said Lord if you will have me I'm yours and that day her name was written in the book in heaven the day Jesus started to work and prepare a place for her in heaven and someday Elaine and Michael and all of us according to scripture will appear before God and I know what's going to happen with Elaine and with Michael and with others who have come to know the Lord there and here at this church Elaine will stand before God and Jesus will say I know this woman her name is Elaine and father I acknowledge her in front of you I know her. She's accepted me. She has followed me. Elaine, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of the Lord. Hallelujah. For our desire is for everyone to have their name in the Lamb's Book of Life and to be acknowledged by Jesus Christ before the Father. That's how you get in. If not, back to Revelation 20. I don't know. I don't know who this is. They did not follow me. 
and you saw the judgment and the separation, the lake of fire, and all that goes with it. So we have a, to me, it's a mandate to be able to share Christ. That people's names will go in the book, that people will live forever, and that people, people will be acknowledged by Jesus Christ. Just not come on in, but I know them. I know them. We've been walking together for years. It's about time you got here, Bruce. <laughs> what about you? Do you know Jesus Christ? Is your name in the book of life? Are you sure of that? Will Jesus Christ acknowledge you before God? And that you receive the total forgiveness and go to the place that he has prepared for you and that we will rule and reign with him for an eternity? Hallelujah. Forever. Will you stand, please? And those who are going to pray. So this is a message about servanthood and weary, obviously. But... It's more a message of we serve an extraordinary God who wants us and wants to use us, but he wants to be involved in a relationship with us where we're forgiven and we're guided by him. That we would be disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just not Sunday morning people that come to church, okay? You know, you got your uh, recorder doing the first half of the Titans game so you can see the full thing of it. <laughs> no, but we're, we're people who are... In our everyday, ordinary lives, we hear God. We see God. God speaks. God gives us a word. God says this because God's got plans. Because his book in heaven is set for a lot more names. That's what he's created us for. If you haven't accepted Christ, this is your day. He will acknowledge you before the Father. If you have any needs you'd like prayed for, if you just want prayer that you want to agree with somebody that I'm going to be listening more, I'm going to be watching more, because God I know wants to use me because he loves me, not because I'm great, but because he is and he loves me. Come and let us pray for you with anything that's on your heart.
you've heard the word of the Lord and the Spirit has been speaking to you, I would encourage you just to obey whatever he is speaking to your heart. Don't be afraid. God will never leave you or forsake you. Remember, you're always following. You're not leading God. You're following. And he'll be there for you. The folks will be up here for, to continue to pray with people after we get done praying. I encourage you to obey. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you have a plan for each and every person, Father. That you are drawing them to you as we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to make your face to shine upon them, Father. I ask that their light be bright and you order their steps, Father. And that they feel your presence, Father. And know that you're guiding them and will always be there for them. We look forward, Father, to Jesus acknowledging us before you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.